and welcome to The Literacy Teacher's Life, a podcast for teachers and parents that gives ideas about how to help our children learn to love reading, writing, and all things literacy. I'm your host, Elizabeth Morphus, a literacy professor and a mom to two elementary-aged girls. Here we'll talk about thoughtful, creative, and realistic ways to navigate literacy learning so that your children will feel supported and seen in their reading and writing. Now, let's get this conversation started. Hello, and welcome to the Literacy Teacher's Life podcast. This is the podcast for ideas, tips, and strategies to help elementary children thrive with literacy. It's also the podcast for helping children love reading and writing. And today, we're going to talk about how to help children love reading. So welcome back. It's February, a time for falling in love with reading. And my guest today, Dr. Lorraine Raddus, wants all children to fall in love with reading. She talks about this in today's episode. So Lorraine is a literacy leader at a school district on Long Island, and she recently published a book, Leading a Culture of Reading, How to Ignite and Sustain a Love of Literacy in Your School Community. On the cover of this book, she has an illustration of a book, and two of the pages form a heart. And after I read through her book, and I went back and carefully looked at the image on the cover, I realized that this book is truly a love letter to reading. Lorraine is very insightful, and she's been really working hard to build a reading community in her school district. In this book, she shares how she has gone about doing this work and gives practical strategies that can be implemented into districts, schools, and classrooms. They can really be implemented at any level. So I'm going to get right to our interview. Hi, Lorraine. Welcome to the show. Hi, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for coming on to talk to me. Sure. So can you start by introducing yourself? Sure. My name is Lorraine Radice. And again, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I'm really excited to talk with you this afternoon. I'm the author of Leading a Culture of Reading, and I'm also a pre-K to 12 director of literacy in Long Beach Public Schools. In addition to my work in Long Beach, I'm also an assistant associate professor, adjunct professor at Hofstra University on Long Island. I teach in the childhood education department and the literacy studies department and I'm also a professional developer and speaker. Wow. You have so many different roles there. Yeah, they all mesh together, you know, have a common denominator of literacy. But it, it's really my passion to work with educators. So I try to do that in as many ways as possible. Awesome. Can you talk a little bit about your role as a leader in the Long Beach School District? Sure. I work with students, teachers, administrators, parents, and caregivers really across the entire district from grades pre-K to 12. And in my role as a director, I kind of serve as a, a common denominator across the grade levels to set a vision for and articulate curriculum, instructional practices, assessment, and culture, which we'll mainly talk about today that really embraces and celebrates literacy in a multitude of ways. That's wonderful. What a great role and that the fact that you get to work with at so many different levels, like with administration and also parents. 
Yes. Yeah. It's really the best part of my job. I think literacy is about community. It's it's supposed to be inclusive. And I'm really fortunate that I get to work with so many stakeholders, you know, including my colleagues who are directors of other disciplines. Wonderful. So before we get into the discussion of your book, you talk about this your recent book, Leading a Culture of Reading. How did you decide to write this particular book? Which I really felt that it was a love letter to reading at the community level. So I'm excited to hear about how this idea came about. Yeah, sure. I'm very fortunate to work with a superintendent who prioritizes literacy. And one of her first priorities when beginning in her role as a superintendent was to create a thriving reading culture where students received quality instruction in reading and developed an authentic love for reading. In, in our district, there really is a commitment to joy of learning and authenticity. And a question that she had asked me on my interview was how I could help to develop this vision and make it a reality among the school community. What I saw was really an opportunity to bring some of my own instructional and reading cultural practices from my classroom because I was teaching grade six English at the time and to bring some of that work to a larger community within a school district. And I I really feel that as a district leader, as a school leader, staying grounded as a teacher really helps to carry my work forward in our literacy community. So that's really the impetus for why the culture work was prioritized and what I was really hired to do. And as I received feedback from school community members and people on teams that I work with, about the transformation in literacy across our district, I decided to write about the process. Writing a book has been a professional goal of mine since I started teaching, and I thought that writing about work that has and continues to come to fruition in a very practical way would help other literacy educators. And that's one of the the goals of the book. I know that educators and teachers are really busy. They have a lot of things going on. The more practical, the better. They need accessible resources, and I think the book provides that. It's written like a how-to, so readers could read it front to back, or they can jump into a chapter that really serves the work that they're working on at that time and gain some practical insight as to how to carry out certain culture events and uh, gain some resources to help them do so. Absolutely. I I agree. It's definitely written in a very practical manner. And so everything was very current as well. It's super Mm -hmm. current, very timely. Yeah. Great. Thank you. And were you able to carry out a lot of your ideas from the book in your role currently at the district? So everything in the book is a description of what has been done. And that's really how I was able to write it and articulate it in such a a step-by-step way from the way that the book was organized in terms of why chapter one is about branding reading and then going into supporting adults. And then also within the chapters about how to sequence certain events and how to carry out certain steps of the process because I've worked with teams to do all of that work in the book, working with each stakeholder and, and part of the community. So it all has been done. Wonderful. So you started with 
the framework of the book. And you begin with these five ideas that really framed your work here with reading is important, engagement is important, joy is important. And you touched upon that when you were talking about your superintendent's goals. Community and the people in it are important and everyone is important. I just loved how you began with this particular framework. And I think it's so important right now to start, you know, that all of these elements. Can you talk about why you chose these five ideas as the framework for the book? Sure. When carrying out a large vision as a district leader, as a school leader in a classroom, I think it's really wise to have fundamental values to the vision that guide the work. And as you make decisions and carry out that work, it all should tie back to those fundamental values. They serve as your why. So the importance of reading, engagement, joy, community, and inclusivity seems simple and almost implied, you know, when we think about the work that we do in schools. But schools are such large systems with a lot going on within them. Sometimes simple and fundamental ideas become complex when you try to rally so many people around shared values. And I think there has to be simplicity to culture, especially. Culture is something that we strive for all school community members to believe in and to thrive within. And there also has to be a space for people to discover themselves within the culture. And that speaks to that simplicity. You know, if if you complicate it too much, it's hard for people to find themselves within the culture in ways that are comfortable for them to contribute to it and help for it to thrive. So that's really why those five fundamental values guide the work, because I think that they are necessary in schools. Joy, community, engagement, reading, obviously, is my focus. But when we rally around those pieces that make schools a place that kids and adults want to be, it's helpful to always come back to them when doing the nitty gritty of the work. Absolutely. If kids are not, if there isn't joy, they're going to be more resistant to doing Mm -hmm. that, that more challenging reading work. Right, right. So you dedicated a chapter to reading role models and the importance of adults exploring their own reading lives and being models for students. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about why getting adults involved in students' reading is so important? Sure. Because I'm in a leadership administrative position now, you know, I, I work mostly with adults. Part of my work is still to work with kids and, and that's amazing. But when we started the reading culture building process, a lot of my first steps were to work with the teachers and the administrators involved in, in carrying out this work within the schools. And I believe that if we support adults just as much as we support kids in schools, that better serves adults to be role models for students. So getting adults involved in developing a reading identity is important because, like I said, the adults are the ones that are working with the students. And I think it's important to bring the values of that vision that we talked about, importance of reading, engagement, and joy to life with adults so that they can experience those values, reflect on them, and also enjoy them at the same time. We want to bring joy to, to teachers, right, in our schools. So I think when 
instructional leaders engage adults in the school, in the learning that kids are going to do, they can better be prepared and excited to work with the kids that they teach. You know, I mentioned culture events like a book swap and book clubs and book tastings in the book. Those are all events that I've hosted for adults so that they can feel and think through the experience and bring those reading culture events back to their classrooms and and teachers have. Teachers host book tastings as they begin new units of study or if kids are in need of new independent reading books. Book clubs have become part of almost every grade level curriculum in our district from grades two to 11. And book swaps have been held around the holidays or before summer vacation as a way for kids to find new books to read from their peers. So involving adults in these experiences also elevates their access to books that their students may be reading. And it also increases their awareness of new texts that are published. So whenever I hold professional development or reading events for teachers, I always try to integrate new books that have been published so that it helps them to learn, you know, about new books that are coming out for kids. The more teachers read, the better that they are prepared to share new books with students through book talks or during reading conferences. Some people are avid readers and they'll do this on their own. And it's okay that not everybody is an avid reader as well. You know, I share that with teachers. Some maybe want to be, but reading is very time consuming and a busy lifestyle. And some people may not love reading themselves, but they know it's important to impart on kids. But it's important for, I believe, all educators to to really find a purpose in inspiring kids to find their own reading identity and being aware of where you fall on that scale as an adult, I think is important to help you prepare to do that work. So by creating these reading culture events for teachers to participate in, you provide them a way to professionally develop themselves and and even personally for the students that they teach. I think teaching is very personal and it's natural to reflect on your relationship with the content that you teach or share because it may impact the ways in which you deliver instruction and promote ideas to kids. Absolutely. When you're implementing either the book swap or the book tasting, when you're working with teachers, you're using children's literature or books that they can use with their students, correct? I've done it both ways. Okay. So like when I modeled book tastings initially, at different tables, you know, I'd have a table of picture books, a table of chapter books, a table of professional books, just to integrate as many um, options as possible. So, you know, it depends on the purpose of the event, but I always find a way to integrate something that their students will be reading. I'll also throw in some, maybe some adult titles as well, or professional development books. Oh, that's great. Mm -hmm. Awesome. You address a number of ways to build and more importantly, sustain a reading culture. What are some ways that schools and teachers can include this work into their own practice? Yes. The first chapter is about how to build your vision and ignite the culture building process to get started. And the last chapter is about how to sustain the culture because there are often new initiatives and priorities in education. But when we do commit to something as important as reading, 
you know, we don't want to lose sight of those fundamental values, right, that we establish and, and why we want to commit to reading culture. So school leaders can do this work in their, their buildings or districts, and teachers can do the work in their classroom. As I said before, I recommend when getting started to have a clear vision for the culture that you want to build around reading or maybe even a broader literacy initiative. Establish the values that frame the work with all stakeholders, because part of the success is to have the support of the many that are involved in a child's literacy life. And if all stakeholders, students, administrators, teachers, parents, caregivers, community members, know the priorities of your vision, that helps people to support your cause. And in chapter one, I talk about creating a reading campaign and using technology to do so. I think it, you know it's important to use media and technology that people are connected to to help spread the message about the importance of reading. You can create a logo, create a slogan, post about books, post student work. And the reason why I recommend using technology is because we live in a space where content is constantly in our face or in our hands, you know, literally on our phone. And using social media and digital content to create the campaign and raise awareness is a way to connect to what people are already connected to and to use technology in a positive way. In addition to raising awareness, prioritize reading in the classroom. So after you think about your campaign and your why, bring it to the students and make time for reading in school. Make time for kids to talk about reading with their peers. Ask students to read at home. Be thoughtful maybe about homework or at-home learning and what are we asking kids to do. And if we ask kids to read at home and invite them to talk about their reading with ki- you know their peers the next day, invite families to participate in their child's reading life. So really prioritizing time to read in school in the classroom is, is a huge component of building engagement and building that reading volume for kids. And as reading remains a priority in the classroom, culture events can happen simultaneously in your classroom and in your school. So you can schedule author visits, create a holiday to celebrate reading. We have our February Fall in Love Book Love Month coming up where it's a huge celebration across the district. February also is the month that has World Read Aloud Day. So you can commit to doing that as a a community. You can host a school-wide book talk. Use reading and books as ways to rally your school and class community together. And those strong connections around reading can also help you move other initiatives forward as well. I know there are are other things that we have to promote and work on in school, and, and reading can be a vehicle to help other initiatives. And when, you know, thinking about sustaining that culture, speaking about other initiatives that come along we can find ways to integrate reading into them. So you can prepare book lists about new content. You know, if you have a new math curriculum, maybe as you roll out your new math curriculum, you integrate some picture books that help you to explain some of the new content. If uh, mental health is a concern for students and we want to rally around supporting kids in that way, how can we use reading literature, informational and fiction? to help us talk about mental health in in healthy ways. 
You can host book clubs with students or adults to learn about this new content. And I think part of being a literacy leader is to really never lose sight of that that vision, right, for reading culture. Culture is malleable. It can transform. I think it has to, right, because change in education is constant. And it's about finding ways for the culture to grow and thrive in new contexts while still remaining true to those values that frame your work. That's really well said. Great. That's great. You mentioned, you know, providing kids time to read in school. A question I get so often from either pre-student teachers or in-service teachers is, what should you do when you're for independent reading? How to set it up so that they're actually reading and not just Mm -hmm. flipping through the page or looking around the room. And this looks different at different grade levels. But I'm curious if you've found anything that works well, either you know at the elementary or middle or even high school level to get kids reading during the school day. Sure. Well, independent reading, you know, depending upon your reading curriculum, it can happen as part of your curriculum. Right. But there's also times of the day, you know, if you have a small group reading period, maybe outside of your core curriculum where independent reading can be integrated, where you really commit time. A lot of conversations that I have with teachers around independent reading is what do we spend time on during the day, right? And how can we prioritize time so that reading takes up part of the day, right? If that's what that we prioritize it for. So again, if you have a small group reading period at the elementary level, independent reading can take place then. Also, you know, sometimes schools at the beginning of the day have like an arrival period or, you know, like an advisory type period at the beginning of the day where reading can take place then. And having a strong culture of independent reading with routines and expectations to support that helps to gain momentum among students. So if you have a reader's response notebook where there is a choice menu inside that kids know that as they're reading, they are responding to their reading through drawing, through writing, integrating time for kids to talk to with reading partners, maybe at the end of a, an independent reading period, or if kids are reading for 15 or 20 minutes, they know that they're going to turn and talk to their partner about what they've read. They don't have to be reading the same book, but it helps to build you know, accountability And then while reading is happening, the importance of reading conferences and teachers having routines of conferring with students about their reading. Again, it helps to build student-teacher relationships, and it also sets an expectation for accountability that kids are going to be talking with their teacher about their book. And sometimes part of that conversation is that a kid is, is not reading. And the goal of that conference is to figure out why and to put plans in place to help students really work on finding their reading identity. I think one of the most important things about having an independent reading routine is for teachers to know and feel okay with that every reader is different. Right. And sometimes the goal of a conference or a conversation is not always going to be content related, right? About who the character is or why the text is structured, you know, in the way that it is. But it's more about how can we find a book that you're interested in? How can we find a format that you might love? 
And that might be the work for a couple of months with a student to get them engaged to try something. All good advice. Thank you so much. That was a sure. call. Sure. Yeah. So one of my favorite chapters was helping kids get on board for this work. And you had so many great ideas in there. How can teachers and school leaders help students become literacy leaders? Yeah, we want to put kids at the center, right, of all the work that we do in schools. And to build culture takes a lot from adults. But when we put kids in the mix and make kids leaders, that just makes everything brighter. When kids lead, it gives them agency. And I talk a little bit about in the book that kids can be literacy leaders, whether they're avid readers or not. Just like, you know, I spoke about adults, some people being avid readers, some people not being avid readers. Kids fall on the same scale, right? We have kids that absolutely love reading. Kids are okay with it. Some kids read to comply and and (laughs) other kids are going to continue to work to find their reading momentum. But even if a student is really not that fond of reading yet, they still could be a literacy leader because they might be interested in in leading and gaining experience, especially at the high school level. They can, by planning reading culture events in the building or being part of a team that does so, they learn planning skills, organization skills, communication skills. And just like there are niches for athletes and musicians and artists and robotics teams in school, reading can provide a niche and a place to belong if kids are part of a team that plans events to bring their school community together. And there's a greater chance of other kids becoming involved or buying into the culture if they're invited and motivated by their peers. And this doesn't have to be a huge lift for the adults that are helping to make this happen. I suggest looking at structures that already exist within schools and classrooms like clubs or peer groups or lunch groups and creating a reading ambassador team around some of those structures that put kids in leadership positions that are already in place. And maybe there's an adult that could be an advisor or a supervisor of the team and students can help to plan reading culture events like book fairs and author visits and school-wide book talks. If this is happening at the high school or the middle school level where students are a little bit older, older students can act as reading leaders for elementary students um, by creating a book buddy program where maybe older and younger students read together. I had a high school teacher support a group of students in a different club. It wasn't even a literacy-centered club, but the students in this club made a coloring book they were artists um, for students in kindergarten. And there were plans for that group of students, those artists to publish the coloring book and then deliver it to kindergarten classes. And they were going to do like a summer read aloud because it was a summer beach themed coloring book. So even finding ways within places where reading may not be the center of the work of the group, but you can still integrate it, are ways to involve kids in forming bonds with each other as reading role models, you know, older and younger students, and then also contributing to their their school community. 
That's such a great example. Thank you for sharing that. That's awesome. And then I'm curious, there has been so much talk nationally about reading. And in many states, there's been a shift to in schools and in classrooms to a science of reading approach. How does your work align with this approach to reading instruction? Yeah, the leading a culture of reading is is not a book about how to teach reading. I know there are a lot of conversations about mm-hmm. how to to do that most effectively. It's a book about creating a culture in which kids are encouraged and motivated to read. It's really about ways to build reading volume, reading stamina, and reading engagement. So whatever approach educators choose to teach children how to read, I do think that there should be a backdrop of culture that supports students in their engagement and their excitement for reading so that they do want to practice, you know, in whatever ways they are taught to read and develop their own reading identities. It's a great, great answer. And as you said at the beginning, if there isn't joy, if there isn't interest or motivation doing the work that a curriculum is teaching, they're going to be more resistant to that. Yeah, right. And I'm just curious, what are some suggestions you have for parents? You said that you do work with parents in your position. So Mm -hmm. what can parents do to support their kids at home with reading? Yes, we've hosted several parent academy events, both in person and virtually just to give as many opportunities for participation as possible. Some of the suggestions I share in the book are about how to support parents in participating in these events so that they can learn about the importance of reading, whether that is providing childcare at parent academy events in school or providing transportation, making sure communication goes out in all of the languages that are spoken in your school community. Because it is helpful for parents and caregivers to support reading and share the excitement for reading at home. And a suggestion and conversations that I have with parents are, is really about prioritizing reading as part of a home routine. And everybody's home routine looks different. You know, it's not going to be the same in, in every household. It's helpful for parents and caregivers to read with their children or have their children read to them maybe stopping periodically just to engage in conversation about what the book is about. It's helpful to visit the public library or connect with teachers about access to books. I don't think that parents need to feel like they have to be reading teachers. I talk with parents about this often. Just the exposure to books and reading time at home is such a huge help to kids Parents are really busy, you know, there's a lot of responsibility at work and at home. And simply encouraging children to make time for reading at home in a way that's feasible for the family and talking about reading at home is helpful to the work that kids are doing in school and will support their reading development. And even finding ways within life routines, like, you know, on the way to a practice, right, for a sports team, or if you're waiting in a doctor's office, or if an older sibling has to babysit a younger sibling, maybe reading is what they do with the younger sibling, right? So really to honor the identity of families and the responsibilities of families and having personal conversations with parents and caregivers about 
how they can best integrate a support for reading in a home routine that works for their lifestyle. Absolutely. That's great advice. Is there anything else that you would like to share about building a reading culture in school or in a classroom? Just that culture has the potential to be the heartbeat, right, of any classroom or school. A school is a business of people. People are are our greatest asset in school, and I think you have to take care of your people. And culture is one way to do that. It's a way to make people feel they belong and that they are important. And reading is undoubtedly important to people. So reading gives students agency, right, and pathways for discovery. It gives people access to information, to imagination, to perspective. And reading, like I said, can also be a gateway to other initiatives, right, in a class or in a school. So I think that's important for people to think about. And I also want to acknowledge that this work isn't easy. It takes time and it's not an easy task to rally a whole community around something, but the community needs people to be leaders, right? They need people to do this work and to be cheerleaders of something special. And there there will be people who jump on board right away and they're going to help to build that culture. And then there are people who are going to be happy to participate and carry out the reading culture events. And then there will be people who are a bit resistant. And I think it's important to be prepared for that and not to be disheartened. But my advice is to celebrate and embrace your early adopters and your supporters because they're going to help to make the magic happen. And even when you feel a little discouraged or maybe if your pom-poms are just too big (laughs) for people, like it might feel like that sometimes, it's an important responsibility to be a cultural leader and just to keep going. Because I write about this in the conclusion, but I had a, a colleague when I was feeling discouraged said to me, if you don't do this important work, who will? And yeah, that's, that's a question great. that always resonated with me. If you decide to put the pom-poms down, then what's going to happen? So it's important to just breathe through and find your own joy. It does serve the community well and to just lead with grace and look around because it will happen. You know, if you put the vision into practice. <laughs> that's great advice. Oh, Everyone yes. should get this book. It was really, <laughs> it was really a wonderful, Thank it was you. wonderful to read. I loved how practical it was. Thank you. Yeah. So we're going to end on a positive note. So before we end, and I can go first, is there sure. anything in your reading, your writing, or your teaching life, or even the professional development that's going well that you can share? And I'll start first. The semester at Old Westbury has not begun yet. We don't begin until toward the end of the month. Right. So I'm getting stuff ready for the classes I'm teaching. And I'm really trying to bring in even more books than usual and finding as like new texts for the students to use both in a in a very in a clinic and a practical setting and also in the writing class I teach to use as mentor texts. And it's been really fun to bring in some new things and add for different levels. And that's been going really well. And I'm excited to see how the students respond to all of this. That's great. Really great. Yeah, for me. So I am excited. I I write about teacher book clubs in the book and 
I actually have a, a new year book club starting with oh teachers this week. So um, great. we are going to discuss our first book. So I'm excited to get back together with some of my colleagues to start reading again. I mentioned before that in February, we have our Fall in Love Book Love Month. Yes. So that's our next big district-wide reading culture event happening. So I'm looking forward to that. And then personally slash professionally, yeah. I am starting writing my second book. Oh my gosh. Which Amazing. I'm really excited about. It's about a concept called Revolving Literacy. Solution Tree is, is the publisher as that's well. Great. So I'm really excited to get started on that. Oh, that's wonderful. Congratulations. It's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you sharing about your book with us. Sure. Thank you so much for having me. Really, I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks, Lorraine. Okay. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. I really enjoyed reading Lorraine's book, and I think you will too. I hope you learned something from my conversation with Lorraine and the work that she's implemented into her school district. She really has so many wonderful ideas that can be easily incorporated into any school or classroom. You should definitely pick up a copy for yourself. I think it's a great book to read with other teachers and see what you can try out in your own classrooms or maybe try out together. I really loved her theme, Fall in Love with Reading for the month of February. And I'm hoping that you're reading something with your students or with your own children that you all are enjoying. I'll be back in two weeks, this time for a solo episode. But until then, happy reading. And that's it for this episode of The Literacy Teacher's Life. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at The Literacy Teacher's Life. My email address is elizabeth at theliteracyteacherslife.com. Thank you so much for listening. Please tell a friend about this podcast. And of course, you can leave me a review on any podcast platform where you listen. I so appreciate it. I'll see you next time. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.